Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series, which can be heard on VHHA.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, the Independent Podcast Network, and the Family Podcast Network. And we're on the radio each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, 107.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia, and 1650 a.m. in Hampton Roads, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And with that out of the way, let's introduce our guest. With us today is Dr. Catherine Scafidi, a tenured associate professor, a forensic nurse, and research scientist at George Mason University who has done some truly groundbreaking work in the area of forensic nursing. We'll talk about that, her career, and more in just a moment. But first, welcome to the program, Dr. Scafidi. Thanks for being with us. Uh, It's a pleasure being here. So for the benefit of our listeners, let's start with an overview of forensic nursing, which is a discipline I've been exposed to and learned more about over the past five years through working on initiatives related to human trafficking and the identification and care of survivors in clinical settings. Forensic nursing is a specialty that, among other things, can be involved in caring for trafficking survivors, sexual and domestic assault survivors, and patients impacted by interpersonal violence. Obviously, that's a very surface-level summary, but from your perspective, How would you define forensic nursing and what it entails? Sure. Forensic nursing has been a specialty of nursing for a number of years. And essentially, forensic means pertaining to the law. So a nurse who is a forensic nurse receives special training in addition to their nursing education to care for patients who will likely interact with the legal system. Now, this can encompass a variety of patient populations, but you named a number of them, which involves victims of violence. Uh, also, we forensic nurses work with deceased patients as well. So they're often working with medical examiner systems and also with patients who will be, interact with the civil system. So they do work in, in comp cases, but they're mostly known for working with patients who experience violence, abuse, assault, and neglect. And as you said, there's an element of the interchange or interplay with the law. I think a lot of people who like TV shows about police and prosecutors are no doubt familiar with the concept of forensic evidence and medical professionals who have that training, as you mentioned, medical examiners, as well as forensic nurses like yourself who might be involved in collecting evidence through physical exams, sample collection, and other techniques, which involves identifying and assessing injuries. In your case, some of your most prominent and large-scale research has focused on bruising, which I'd venture to say a lot of people might associate with everyday minor physical mishaps, but it's actually much more involved than that. If you could, could you tell us about the diverse and unique field of bruise typing and research, which is your area of expertise? Absolutely. Bruises are the most common injury experienced by patients reporting violence across the lifespan from child abuse to intimate partner violence, really any type of interpersonal violence. And bruises can tell us a lot about what has happened. Um, they're caused by a certain mechanism, blunt crushing or squeezing force trauma that causes damage to the blood vessels. And when you hear a history of what has happened, you can examine injuries and often get a sense for the story behind the injury. And uh That information is incredibly helpful, not just for evidence, as you talked about, for, you know, future 
possible criminal prosecution and uh, testimony, but also for their medical care. For example, strangulation injuries can cause serious insidious effects. And so being able to recognize bruises on the neck consistent with strangulation has important implications for patient care. So any research in the area of improving documentation and detection of bruises, understanding how old they are um, and what their appearance changes look like depending on the certain situation, all this information has a huge effect on patient care with these particular patient populations. And I want to talk a little bit more about this and some very specific research you've done that has led to the development of some innovative technology about detecting bruises among certain patient populations. In doing some research for this episode, I see that you once earned what I guess is the endearing name, nickname of Paintball Lady in your career for the creative ways you found to create bruises for the purpose of doing research analysis. As someone who's who's endured multiple paintball bruises, let me just say those suckers sting. But yes, I digre- they do. They do. But I digress. <laughs> and as I mentioned, out of your research has come this innovative technological advancement that involves using alternative light sources with specific visual wavelengths to help better detect bruising caused by physical violence on the bodies of people with darker skin. As I understand from reading a little bit about your research, the traditional lighting methods of bruise detection have been more successful in people with lighter skin. So if you would tell me about the process of identifying through the research this more optimal light source and what kinds of benefits it can yield in the in the realm of forensic nursing. Absolutely. So typically when we examine the skin, we're using white light, which is, involves light of the entire visible spectrum. And that's what we use when we do our physical assessments of the skin. Through my research, I was able to determine certain bandwidths of visible light that help improve our detection of bruises on diverse skins, specifically for individuals who have dark skin pigmentation. People with dark skin, it's often very difficult to see bruises on them. And so I was able to determine certain wavelengths that actually make it easier to see bruises on people with dark skin compared to the typical white light that we use during a physical assessment. And I gather that this new lighting approach to bruise detection is actually starting to be adopted in clinical settings. If you would tell us about that progress as well as the broader task of trying to introduce and promote more widespread adoption of this bruise detection technique that you've developed. Well, what's wonderful is there are a few early adopters of this technology out there prior to the research actually being established. Now, that was exciting for these units, but unfortunately, because the research evidence wasn't there, it made it difficult to be able to testify about it in court. So there were existing units who are using it, and good for them for being able to um, be such early adopters. Now that the research is out there, including my research and other recent authors as well, we've been able to establish a good research track record for this technology to be effective. So the next step, though, now that the research is established, more people, more forensic nursing units specifically, hopefully will also feel comfortable adopting this technology. However, we need evidence-based practice guidelines on how to apply this technology in practice. The technology is really exciting. It's really fantastic, the improvement that it, it offers in terms of detection of bruises. But you need to have guidelines on how to use it, how to interpret it, and how to document it for practice. 
Well, it sounds like there's more work to be done, but certainly a tip of the cap to you and, and other researchers who have made advancements in this field and to those early adopters that you're talking about. And, and best of luck as you continue to try to proselytize about the importance of this technology, this alternative light source, uh, and getting more people to adopt it now that there is that body of research. I do want to thank you for being with us. I know that our time today together is going to be a little bit short because you have another appointment, as do I. But before we wrap up, Dr. Scafidi, it's a tradition on the Patients Come First podcast to ask each of our guests a pair of sort of offbeat personal questions to close things out. To keep things interesting, we have a list of 10 mystery questions from which you can choose. So if you would, please pick two numbers between 1 and 10, and I will ask you the corresponding questions. Ooh, that's exciting. Um, I'll pick number three and number eight. Okay, number three. With the understanding that this is a family-friendly program, please tell us one unpopular opinion you have that runs contrary to the general consensus. Ooh, that's a great question, and and often very difficult to answer. I would say I love snow. I don't think around here people like a lot of snow, but I do. I love, give me, I will take three feet of snow over a 90-degree summer day anytime. Well, I am generally with you there. I was born up north, um, have lived in Virginia for more than half my life at this point, but um, I grew up both in New Jersey and in Michigan, uh, and especially in Michigan. Snow is a common occurrence basically from November through about March. So I, I do miss the snow, although I don't know if my older bones would, would take to it the way that my <laughs> younger bones did, but I, but I certainly appreciate a good snowstorm. And then you also selected number eight. That question is, tell me one memory from your life that whenever you think of it, it makes you smile. Oh, another another great question. Um, and hard to answer because I have two wonderful children and a wonderful husband. But I, I met my husband when volunteering for a local fire department, and I dumped a soda on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we met. And so every time I think about how we met, I, I smile knowing I dumped a soda <laughs> I think I think they call those a meat cute in the movies. So there yes, you, there very you go. much. <laughs> well, I wanna I wanna thank you again for being with us and making some time out of your busy schedule and for sharing some of your life story, some of your research work, uh, enlightening our listeners a little bit more about what forensic nursing is uh, and what it entails. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are available. And we want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Catherine Scafidi, for joining us today. So thank you. Thank you for having me.